If there are people in harm's way, it could potentially save lives. Rail restrictions to reduce risk. The new safety measures ordered by Ottawa as B.C.'s wildfire season gets off to a devastating start. Plus... There was a fellow laying in the middle of the street. He'd obviously been hit by a car. Reportedly run over, then pepper sprayed. The disturbing attack on a victim who police say was likely targeted for being homeless. And... With everything we've gone through... This is it. England and Italy fans pack patios, pubs, and streets with crowds reminiscent of a pre-pandemic celebration. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. I'm Neetu Garcha. Nearly two weeks after a fire that may have been sparked by a passing train wiped out the village of Lytton, Ottawa has implemented a list of new rules for CN and CP operations in B.C. The federal transportation minister's order is effective immediately through to October 31st as the wildfire risk continues to threaten our province. Kristen Robinson reports. While authorities continue to probe the cause of this devastation and the TSB deploys a team to Lytton to investigate a fire potentially involving a freight train, Canada's rail lines have been ordered to follow interim safety measures to protect against wildfires during extreme heat. Climate change is upon us and ideally we would have seen this happening and been proactive but uh, in, in engineering typically what we're doing is responding to an emerging challenge. CN and CP must ensure a 60-minute response time to any fires detected along rail lines running through Lytton. At least 10 fire detection patrols must be conducted on tracks of concern every 24 hours. The rail companies must also consult with Indigenous governments about fire hazards. Consulting the local experts, the Indigenous communities, is is top priority because they're there. They know. Trains on Canada's largest railways must also slow down when temperatures soar above 30 degrees Celsius. If it's 33 degrees or higher, under an extreme fire danger where the track speed is between 26 to 50 miles per hour, trains must slow to 25 miles per hour. If the track speed is 51 plus miles per hour, they must slow down to 30 miles per hour. If there's anything alongside the track, any any sparks, anything that can be blown, uh, that risk is reduced by a lower speed as well. Rail lines must also stop trains from rolling through extreme fire danger zones unless they've been inspected in the previous 15 days to ensure exhaust pipes are clear of combustible material. I think it's absolutely a necessary response to reduce the risk. Rail and freight is is the lifeblood of our country, but at the same time, we have to save the lifeblood of our communities. Class 1 railways have 60 days to implement a final extreme weather fire risk mitigation plan. Kristen Robinson, Global News. On the wildfire front today, there are more than 300 active wildfires burning across the province, 63 sparked within just the last two days. 
A wildfire of note in the interior is the Embleton Mountain Fire, which flared up on Saturday and is classified as out of control. It has now grown to about 250 hectares. An evacuation alert has been issued for those in the Sun Peaks Resort municipality. And the road to the resort has been closed to visitors due to the fire. People living in 132 properties in nearby Whitecroft were ordered out of their homes last night. This power line runs all the way to Barrier and we're just digging a handguard around the telephone poles. And then we burn out the middle with uh, water on site. Um, just in case any fire comes down here, then the fuel is burnt out around them. I think the thing that is frustrating too, it's like, why hasn't there been an emergency um, for the province? Because in 2017 there was, so I don't know if that's kind of the government or the BC Wild. It's hard to say because we talked to the firefighters yesterday and I think they're doing what they can. And a wildfire broke out in the South Okanagan near Okanagan Falls. The BC Wildfire Service says the Thomas Creek wildfire is about one and a half kilometers west of Skahaw Lake. It's at least 20 hectares and also out of control. Seven personnel are responding with assistance from air tankers and two helicopters. Smoke is highly visible in surrounding communities. To the North Okanagan now, where an evacuation alert has been issued for the Becker Lake area where crews are battling a 35-hectare blaze. The alert was issued this afternoon. People living in the area have been told to prepare because they may have to leave their properties if the fire moves too close. Residents will be given as much advance notice as possible, but conditions can change quickly. And firefighters battling the Becker Lake and another fire near Nacusp were temporarily hampered in their fight by people deploying drones nearby. As Travis Lowe reports, the wildfire service is warning of the consequences of flying drones over active fire scenes. Smoky skies obscure the Becker Lake fire above Vernon Sunday. With no new growth overnight, the fire is estimated at 35 hectares and being battled both on the ground and in the air. But on Saturday, a takeoff like this one grounded the Becker Lake aerial attack for several hours during a crucial time fighting the fire's development. Air ops had to be down for two hours because of a drone that was um, on the fire. So that significantly impacted our uh, firefighting efforts. It was putting everybody at risk. We, I mean, there's whether the fire was near homes or not, people should just know better. Both of us, when we read that yesterday, it was just like, yeah, un like unbelievable. It's pretty scary when air has to land for two hours. When the drone is in the air, we have to immediately, because of NAP Canada rules, we ground our, our air operations immediately. And we have to ground them for a certain amount of time until we know the airspace is clear. And because the BC Wildfire Service could lose valuable time fighting the fire, they're warning the public about the consequences of interfering with wildfire air operations with a drone. Anyone who is caught flying a drone like this one that is considered to be interfering with a forest fire can be fined $100,000 or jailed up to a year or both. There's no reason for to, to get the best picture to jeopardize everybody's homes and lives. It's ridiculous. Travis Lowe, Global News, Vernon.
Better news in Coldstream, where the evacuation alert at the Kalmalka Lakeview Drive fire has been rescinded. That fire, which broke out on Friday night, scorched 43 hectares. The B.C. Wildfire Service says it is now being held. And the federal and provincial governments are pledging to match donations made to the Red Cross to support the victims of B.C.'s wildfires. Donations can be made at B.C. liquor and cannabis stores. You can also go online, call one 800 418 1111 or text FIRES to 45678. The governments will match donations dollar for dollar, which means every dollar donated to the Red Cross will become $3 for fire victims. While more extreme weather conditions have returned to parts of the province today and they are expected to persist for a few days. Let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schell for the details. So Yvonne, who is going to feel the return of the heat? Yeah, heat warning has just been issued. Now the following areas, it'll stretch in towards the Caribou 100 Mile House, the Fraser Canyon, as well as the South Thompson. And we're looking at dangerous heat once again, mid and upper 30s with a few spots potentially getting up to 40 degrees. And the time frame will be between Monday and leading in towards Wednesday. So now the heat Heat warning for the Fraser Canyon, South Thompson. This will include Lillooet and Lytton, where we could see highs 35 and up to 38 degrees. And overnight lows will be near 18 degrees. And then Monday through Wednesday, and also dangerous heat for the Caribou, including Williams Lake, so southern areas, 100 mile, 30 mid, um, low 30s rather, but it's the overnight lows, not much of a reprieve, will dip down to 14 degrees. We're keeping a close eye, continues to be very dry. We've got the heat, and we have a slight potential to see uh, the risk of thunderstorms for the southeastern corners, the Kootenai tomorrow. I'll have more coming up very shortly. Nithu? All right, a lot to watch there. Thanks for that, Yvonne. It is shocking video. A West Kelowna resident posted cell phone footage to Facebook that shows a man throwing something on fire into the bushes. The post on the Kelowna Scammers and Thieves Facebook page says the Glen Rosa resident spotted someone in the bushes acting strangely. They began to film the video on their phone when the man threw something lit on fire into the brush. The post says neighbors ran out with fire extinguishers to put out the flames. It says police did arrest the man, but it's not known how long he was detained. Nanaimo RCMP are searching for several suspects in a disturbing attack on a homeless man. It happened around 9.30 last night in a residential neighborhood near Long Lake. Police say a 45-year-old man was pushing a shopping cart along Victoria Road near 102 Street when a black car stopped beside him. He and the car's occupants exchanged words before the driver allegedly sped up and drove over the man. Witnesses say a passenger then got out and pepper sprayed the victim as he laid on the ground. Neighbors heard a thud noise and before discovering the seriously injured man. I saw this fellow laying in the middle of the road. He was bleeding, he's bad cuts. Uh, he was talking, but he's saying he was in a lot of pain and he's, he said they pepper sprayed me and he kept going, why, why, why? And I just tried to keep him still and comfortable because I was worried he would have a lot of broken, broken bones and he could see some obvious big cuts on his legs. And, and I just got a pillow, tried to keep him comfortable and wait for the ambulance and the police to arrive. I've lived here for 28 years. This is the most violence I've seen on my street. No one deserves to be treated like we're all human. I hope they get the guys that did this. Witnesses say the suspects fled in a small black car, possibly a GMC. Anyone with information is asked to call Nanaimo RCMP. Yellow police tape has come down and Gunderson Park in North Delta was reopened to the public after a double stabbing was reported around four this morning. 
Delta police say officers located two victims following the incident. One suffered serious but non-life-threatening injuries. The other has minor injuries. The suspect has been located and arrested. This is believed to be an isolated, targeted incident between people who were known to each other. Police say it's not believed to be associated to the Lower Mainland gang conflict. In the Squamish area now, and a major search was launched in the backcountry this weekend for a man who's been missing for days. As Grace Key reports, the hope is that someone else also traveling through Garibaldi Provincial Park spots the overdue hiker. A massive search is underway for an overdue hiker in Garibaldi Provincial Park. 33-year-old Daniel Ring was dropped off at Elfin Lakes Trailhead on Wednesday, intending to camp at Rampart Ponds, but he failed to return to his pickup site on Friday. And so we did some initial tasking on Friday evening, and uh, yesterday Squamish Search and Rescue, uh, our whole team went out and searched the trails where he was expected to be. And today we have expanded that further to a lot of off-trail searching, um, some areas of high probability, better search with the campsites with search dogs. Uh, we have people on ATVs, mountain bikes, kind of doing a lot more of the uh, trail searching. Daniel had enough supplies for a few days. He had a tarp, but no tent and a change of clothes. We know he was prepared. Um, I'm not sure of how avid of a hiker he was, but he has been in the area before. He's not from Squamish, but he has been in the area before. He was prepared. Uh, he had a trip plan. He had told people where he was going and he had a place to meet his ride back to uh, the city. And so at some point in there, something went wrong. Daniel Ring is 33 years old, 5'11", with a medium build. He has short gray hair and was last seen wearing a gray t-shirt, black shorts, and a camouflage vest and backpack. 56 people from around the Lower Mainland, Powell River and Vancouver Island are involved in the search. If you think you've seen Daniel or any of his belongings, you're asked to contact Squamish RCMP. Grace Key, Global News. Well, starting tomorrow, you'll be able to crack a cold one at 22 designated drinking areas in parks around Vancouver. The goal is to provide more outdoor spaces for social connections, especially for those who don't have access to a private yard. David Lamb Park, Kitsilano, Maple Grove, Victoria and Stanley Park are just a sampling of the public spaces that will have areas set aside where people can bring and enjoy their own alcoholic beverages responsibly. The Park Board will be testing and monitoring the impacts of the pilot project, which will run until October 11th. Drinking will be allowed between 11 a.m. and 9 p.m. daily. Coming up after the break, a B.C. Tribal Chief's message. You're having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. His advice and expertise on managing drama, trauma rather, as the Tecumloops to Shwetmik gets sent to release findings from a survey of 215 unmarked graves. Plus, reconciliation starts with us finding each other and building on that relationship. The residential school survivor who maintains the vigil at the Vancouver Art Gallery shares her story. The Tecumloops to Shwetmik has announced it will release the findings on the ground-penetrating radar survey of the 215 unmarked graves near the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. Ahead of the presentation on Thursday, and as more unmarked burial sites have been revealed across the country, a B.C. tribal chief is speaking out about managing the layers of trauma. Nobody was there for their children. Nobody was there for them. 
We'll be there for you. Splatson Chief Wayne Christian, like so many, is gripped with grief. He says as the Tecumloops Teshwetmik gets set to present its preliminary findings report on what are believed to be the remains of 215 former Kamloops Indian Residential School students on Thursday, Indigenous people need to know they're supported. We've got a process where their family council, the 13 family heads are involved, where their survivors and veterans are involved and where their community as a whole is involved. So that's the important part of the process. For more than four decades, the 60s Scoop Survivor has worked to establish healing and health systems for Indigenous nations across the province and says now is a chance for more Canadians to truly try and comprehend what his people are enduring. That's what Canada's got to understand. It didn't, we didn't do this willingly. We were forced by law. So we're here for our people. We're going to help them through this. He's reminding people processing trauma. You're having a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. And that it can last a lifetime. You look at the, the veterans of war, right? And what they, how they were traumatized and how PTSD in their life and how that was misunderstood for many years. And so I think that uh, this situation with the the veterans of his war against their children is no different. Especially for those telling their truths for the first time, it's about managing the pain and seeking support. It's a process in our language, it's called kanukantwach, which means helping each other. He's encouraging all Canadians to turn their grief and anger into action by participating in events, walks and writing to members of parliament. But more importantly, educate your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren because it's going to be that generation that is actually going to change things. Since late May, a B.C. woman has been guarding and helping to maintain the vigil set up at the Vancouver Art Gallery following that discovery of 215 unmarked graves at the former Kamloops Indian Residential School. Well, tonight she's sharing her story with Global News, and it comes with a warning that the details of her trauma may be triggering. My name is Cheryl Dolores Gennardi O'Sullivan, and I was born in Alert Bay, British Columbia. I am a residential school survivor, an intergenerational survivor, and a 60-scoop survivor. The Tlaoitsi's people were uh, from Turner Island way back in the 1800s. We were removed because we were told that if our parents or grandparents did not send our children to school that they would be arrested. All of these remote areas around Alert Bay ended up in Alert Bay. Their children were swiftly removed from them and put into residential school. So I went from foster care to residential school. I remember it being very lonely. I spent a lot of time in the infirmary. When I wasn't in the infirmary, I was in the hospital. To this day, I have no records of why I was in the infirmary. We weren't allowed to know who our brothers or sisters were or even our cousins. So we were separated and isolated a lot. This is the residential school, it's called St. Michael's. The experience in residential school was a lonely experience, yet we're, it was filled with little children like myself, right? Five-year-olds up to like 14-year-olds, girls and boys who were left to our own devices, who were not being uh, fed well, we weren't being taken care of. 
Some of us didn't know whether our moms or dads were alive or not. Here are a bunch of dolls that were in our trunk in our house where I was adopted. And so I've left these dolls here. Uh, in part, I wanted to ask the people how they would feel if it were their children. I believe uh, a lot of us have held on to a lot of grief, uh, some of it that we haven't even been able to uncover yet. Everybody that sits under this table is either a residential school survivor, intergenerational survivor, or an ally, and has a strong understanding of the history of residential school on Indigenous people. They want the same change as we do. And, and that's what the vigil, it gives me somewhere to go, somewhere I can be myself and meet my people. Reconciliation starts with us finding each other and building on that relationship, reunifying with our biological family, but not turning on our white families or our white upbringing. We need to meet in the middle. Stories like this can be very difficult to process and traumatizing for some. Help is available 24-7 through the National Residential School Survivor Hotline at one 866 925 4419. And coming up, the latest on the Surfside condo collapse as the death toll rises and crews continue their search. Plus, I was in the military. Qatar was hot. This is hot. How residents are coping as a heat wave blankets the U.S. West while fires rage in several states. Very busy along Highway 1. In Surfside, Florida, 90 deaths have now been confirmed and 31 others are missing after last month's collapse of a high-rise condo in Surfside. Among those killed, 71 have been identified and their family members have now been notified. Global Affairs Canada says the remains of a second Canadian has been pulled from the rubble. Two other Canadians are among those unaccounted for. The cause of the collapse is still not known. For the second time in two weeks, parts of the West in the U.S. are suffering under a record-setting heat wave. Wildfires have broken out in several states now. California has declared a power grid emergency and is asking residents to conserve water. Residents are wilting under the relentless high heat. Jennifer Johnson has more. Tens of millions of Americans in the western part of the country are under extreme heat warnings as blistering temperatures break records and wildfires explode. California's Death Valley and Joshua Tree National Park are among the hottest places on Earth. It's never been hotter. <laughs> it feels like we're in an oven, yeah. Severe drought conditions are sparking wildfires. 72 kilometers north of Lake Tahoe, California's Beckworth fire has doubled in size, now burning into Nevada. Oregon's bootleg fire is raging out of control too, forcing evacuations. The fire is, is just exploding and continuing to grow um, dramatically. Uh, we are seeing you know doubling in size of the fire every 24 hours. Las Vegas is breaking records too, just as tourists come back after the pandemic shut down the strip for much of the past year. This is really hot. I mean, I, I'm, I was in the military. Qatar was hot. This is hot. Governors in several states are asking residents to conserve power and water. The heat is quickly drying up typical water sources. It wants to evaporate off of the soils up in the mountains off of the reservoirs. This latest heat wave comes after the U.S. saw its hottest June on record. 
Jennifer Johnson, Global News, Washington. Coming up next, England and Italy fans pack patios and pubs. What supporters of both sides are saying tonight after a nail-biting match next. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. It is the biggest sports event in the world today. The final of the Euro Cup delayed this year due to the pandemic. And while Barry will have the highlights coming up, Redmond Shannon reports from heartbroken London. Well, it's heartbreak here in London and right across England. Pub patios like this and pubs and restaurants and living rooms right across the country. Every TV was on. Everyone was glued to it. Estimates are that much more than half the population of the country was watching the final 120 minutes of action going into extra time and then penalty kicks. Half of those penalty kicks were missed, including the last one missed by England's teenage star Bukayo Saka, a 19-year-old Londoner who looked absolutely devastated when his penalty was saved. But delirium for Italy, the Italian team, the 1,000 travelling fans who were allowed to come in a bubble and will be shortly going back to Rome. But most of all, back in Italy, soccer mad Italy, just as people are soccer mad here in England, they will be delighted with Italy's second ever Euro Championship to add to their four World Cups. But the wait goes on for England. 55 years since the men's team has won a major tournament. They'll have to wait at least another year because, of course, the World Cup is on at the end of next year in Qatar. But it's all the disappointment here in London as the rain comes down and police may be taking a very close look at how the crowds react to this defeat given some of the incidents that happened earlier today. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. And of course, BC fans closely watch this big, beautiful game matchup. Our Paul Johnson is joining us from a seemingly packed commercial drive with celebrations ongoing right now. Paul, what can you tell us? Nito, I, I think it's safe to say that it was expected that if Italy won the game, their fans were basically going to temporarily annex a large portion of Vancouver's commercial drive for their celebration, and that has indeed happened. So this party is now several hours old and there's no sign that it's letting up. In fact, I've been wondering if it's actually been growing just here in the past 15 minutes or so. It appears that part of what's going on here is this is really the first big collective sporting moment that's happened since the pandemic hit. Now, we did have the Stanley Cup Finals here recently, but they did not come down to this one decisive game and then end in a nail-biter of a shootout. So this has turned out to be really a monumental release of pent-up energy. I think the people needed a joy, whether it was England winning or whether it was Italy, and we all deserve that. Italia is the best player. They dominated the game. The game was amazing. It's coming to Rome. It's fantastic. No other comments, just it's coming to Rome. 
So as far as the English fans, we did spend some time with them today, and my observation was that they actually appeared to be a lot more emotionally invested in the outcome of this game, probably due to the fact that they haven't had a team that's reached the top of a tournament like this for a very long time. So a lot of disappointment for them. You could really get a sense of the agony of defeat there. Um, ameliorated in many cases uh, by copious amounts of very strong beer. So I think for English soccer fans the world over tomorrow morning, um, it's going to be a pretty tough hangover. Nathan? Oh, without a doubt, it seems to be the case for many of those people. We saw in that footage a lot of rowdy scenes that have you wondering what pandemic. This is very reminiscent of pre-pandemic era celebratory spirits. Are you seeing COVID-19 protocols being observed? Um, not at all, really, uh, Nithu. Um, and I can tell you from what I've seen and what you can just see behind me here, uh, COVID-19 protocols are nowhere near top of mind for the people who've been celebrating here. Yikes. Okay. Paul Johnson for us in Vancouver. Paul, thank you so much. Certainly a hot day out there as well. A lot of refreshing drinks being shared in that crowd. Let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shell for a look at the forecast. And Yvonne, you've been warning that it's only going to get hotter. Yeah, it's been hot today across the South Coast. All those celebrating uh, patio weather out there. And we'll actually continue to see it into early next week. Quick shot of what it looks like overlooking the North Shore Mountains. A glance at some of the numbers right now. In the southern interior, we're still sitting into the low 30s. But the heat is on over the next few days. And we've got that heat warning that is in effect. Now, also in effect is the Smoky Skies Bulletin across the central interior and extending all the way in towards the Okanagan Valley. Boundary included within that. We'll continue to see local smoke widespread for a few areas over the next 12 and 24 hours. Update on the fire danger rating. It's sitting at high to extreme, so hot and dry conditions. And the one area and corner of the province for tomorrow will be the Kootenai, where we have a slight risk of thunderstorms and that could spark things up across the region. The winds for tomorrow as we approach the day, we're looking at a northerly wind. For example, into the southern interior we could see areas sustained at 20 but the potential is there to see some gusts just over 40 kilometers per hour. A glance at what we'll see on the future cast. Dry conditions, so hot and sunny. And we are looking at a little bit of precipitation potentially, and that'll be along the north coast, but it'll likely be towards the evening hours tomorrow and leading in towards the day on Tuesday. So the northern half of the province will see that increase in cloud cover, chance for some showers in the evening. Hot and sunny now for the central interior, southern interior, and it's in towards the Caribou, Lytton, Lillooet, will be included within that temperatures potentially getting close to 40 degrees and we could see record-breaking heat once again. The risk of thunderstorms will be Castlegar and Cranbrook late afternoon and evening with the heat at 37 degrees. Dry lightning will be a huge concern for tomorrow and no reprieve with the temperatures overnight lows still into the upper teens for many areas. Whistler will touch up to 30 degrees and away from the water for most areas along the south coast. When you factor in the Humidex will be feeling into the low 30s. There is a bit more cloud cover for the northern and western edge of the island. That'll clear out. Victoria will climb up to 24 degrees. Long-range forecast, so tomorrow's still another hot one, similar on our Tuesday. Wednesday, we could see more cloud cover rolling in for Thursday, Friday, but still remaining dry. No rain in sight, and temperatures will dip down to the low 20s for tomorrow. Away from the water, still feeling into the low 30s. Nithu? All right, thanks so much, Yvonne. And coming up, planning for possible animal evacuations. We make sure we have crates and that they're at the areas where those animals are. How a recent wildfire in Kamloops has sparked the start of a new strategy to save more animals.
Smoke from wildfires continues to blanket many parts of the central interior. The tinder dry conditions have residents preparing for the worst, and they're not alone. The B.C. Wildfire, Wildlife Park in Kamloops is finding the poor air quality is also affecting many of its residents. Amanda Lena Terrio of CFJC News reports. The recent Juniper Ridge wildfire has motivated many Kamloops residents to have an evacuation plan, and the BC Wildlife Park is refining its strategy to save the animals too. We look at everything. We try and look at all the different scenarios that we would have. We would have one maybe where we would be on alert, and we will pack up a lot of the animals that we can create. So we make sure we have crates for all of the animals in the park. We make sure we have crates and that they're at the areas where those animals are so we don't have to be looking for them. The staff would be the top priority, but these animal lovers will do everything they can to ensure the animals find refuge. But unfortunately, not all can be saved. There's a few animals that would probably have to remain for the most part if we can't get them evacuated, some of the larger animals. Uh, it depends on time. We might have, you know, with anything with people in Juniper, they had no time, and that could be a scenario that could happen here. Our animals are habituated to people. So letting, one, letting them free intentionally would be a danger to the people who would be trying to uh, put out the fires, so we cannot. The fire isn't the only thing that could affect the animals. The wildlife park has been nursing birds back to health after heat exhaustion. We had that record dry spring and leading into a dry June and then the excruciating, unprecedented heat. And now I'm worried about wildfire throughout the summer. So I don't think this is going to end anytime soon. As for the smoke in the air, it's harder on the birds too. And they seem to be a little bit more affected. So we do change the, what we do with them in the smoke. And again, we just, we don't, we don't ask a lot of them. We just let them rest and, and take it easy. And if fire ignites, we put sprinklers on the buildings to keep the fire away from those areas. So that's probably the, the best we could do in those situations. It's something I hate to think about, but we do what we can with a terrible situation. Amanda Lena Letario, CFJC News. And coming up in sports, Barry has highlights of the historic European Championship final. Also ahead, more history being made high above the Earth as this test flight rockets to the edge of space. This summer, learn more about the wild and winged creatures who call British Columbia home. Taking a tour with trained guides or naturalists is a fun and safe way to find out more about local wildlife. Whale-watching tours are easy to take from destinations like Victoria, Vancouver, and Telegraph Cove. In northern BC, enjoy an all-inclusive stay at Kusamatine Wilderness Lodge, located right in the heart of Canada's first grizzly bear sanctuary. Follow a BC bird trail from the oceans and estuaries of central Vancouver Island to the heart of Richmond and Delta. Brought to you by Destination BC. Plan your summer getaway at explorebc.com. Well, amid the celebrations and the heartbreak, there are no shortage of highlights from a big day today, Barry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're going to start with, of course, that Euro final. Neithu, a drought was going to end and an unbeaten streak uh, was going to end today in the final of Euro 2020. England and Italy meeting for the championship, a trophy the Italians uh, last won in 1968, a trophy England has never won. 
Italy on an incredible roll. 33 straight matches without a loss. England, not as long, but 12 in a row without a defeat. Something had to give. There's the prize, the trophy England hoping to win for the first time. Wembley jam-packed with anticipation, and it did not take long for them to erupt. Two minutes in, perfect ball for Luke Shaw who will finish beautifully his first ever goal for England. You couldn't ask for a better start. England striking early again. They've done that a couple of times in this tournament. Wembley erupting the Royal Box on their feet. 1-0 England, and uh, that's where it stood at the half. Italy took over this match from about the 30-minute mark, and they're rewarded in the 67th off the corner. Mayhem in the England box, and finally, Leonardo Bonucci fires it in. Just the second goal conceded by England in the tournament in their seventh match. It's 1-1. Italy carried the play, had the best chances to go ahead. Federico Chiesa strikes it well, but saved by English keeper Jordan Pickford. It went to extra time, no scoring, so it goes to penalties where the two goalkeepers would put on a show. It starts well for England after Italy missed on their second. Harry Maguire smashes it home. England leading 2-1. But after an England miss, Federico Bernardeschi right down the middle here. And Italy led 3-2. Jaden Sancho looking to tie it for England. You can see the stress on the faces. But six foot five Gianluigi Donnarumma makes the save. Is there anything more cruel than missing a penalty in soccer? So now it's Jorginho with a chance to win it, just like he did against Spain. But Pickford with the stellar save. England still alive. Now all the pressure on 19-year-old Bakayo Saka needs to score to keep them alive. But Donnarumma with the save. And Italy win it 3-2 on penalties. Euro champs for the second time, but not since 1968. Heartbreak for England. William Cade and George looking very sad. But a party for the Italians, who become the first team ever to win two shootouts in one Euro. They were the better team today, and I think the best in the tourney. So very deserving to be Euro 2020 champs. Earlier in the day, another Italian trying to make history at Wimbledon. Matteo Berrettini trying to become the first Italian man to win at the All-England Club. But standing in his way, world number one Novak Djokovic. Berrettini's got some firepower, rips the forehand, took the opening set in a tie break. But Djokovic just wears you down, took sets two and three. And he always seems to win the big points like this incredible rally. And when he puts that away, Djokovic is all fired up. And that was pretty much it for Berrettini's chances. Djokovic rode the momentum from there as he will jump on the short return and hit the winner. Goes up 5-3 in the fourth. And then on match point, Berrettini eventually into the net. And it's an historic win for Djokovic. Wimbledon title number six, Grand Slam title number 20, tying him with Federer and Nadal for most all time. He's off to the Olympics and then the U.S. Open, trying to not only win the season slam, but the golden slam with that gold medal. Well, usually football players tolerate training camp, but it's uh, not a lot of fun, especially for veterans who just want to get the regular season uh, going. But today on day one of Lions Camp in Kamloops, there were a lot of smiling faces. You don't know what you have until it's gone. And CFL players have gone nearly two years without being on the field. It's been an agonizingly long wait, but they're all finally back at work. The enthusiasm was great, and um, it was just fun to be out on the field um, doing football <laughs> again. And the, the players were, were really good. Um, uh, yeah, a little, a little emotional for me, I got to say, just being off for so long and 
you know, not knowing what was going to happen and to be back out uh, uh, doing this again at training camp uh, was, was pretty good. Obviously, it's super high energy. I mean, we haven't been on a field in whatever it is, 18, 19 months. Pretty well documented, but uh, had high expectations. The guys were going to be fired up and excited to be back with each other on the field playing ball, and certainly that was the case. Uh, I thought everybody was flying around. Uh, and for a first practice, if this was a normal training camp, I would have said that the mental mistakes were actually at a minimum, um, but given the amount of time that we've been off, I was actually very impressed. Um, it shows that the guys and the coaching staff certainly used this time off well and, and that the virtual meetings that we had you know, for the last number of months uh, have certainly been helpful. Game three NBA playoffs, Suns and Bucks from Milwaukee, a must win for the Bucks who lost the first two in Phoenix. Second quarter tight ball game, Brooke Lopez three air ball, but P.J. Tucker saves it and finds Giannis Antetokounmpo for the jam. Bucks led 39-38. First finals game in Milwaukee since 1974, and they are pumped up. Later in the quarter, Giannis running the floor. The Euro step, or a big Euro step, lays it in a 20-6 run. Milwaukee led by eight, and they keep adding to the lead. Bobby Portis will take the pass and hit the corner three. Milwaukee with their biggest lead of the series, up 15 at the half. But Phoenix has closed it to 69-61 in the third. Final round of the U.S. Senior Open from Omaha, Nebraska. Canadian Mike Weir in contention, his first year on the PGA Tour Champions. He will sink the long eagle putt on six, gets to three under, and just two off the lead. By the 12th, Weir had given two shots back, but keeps on coming. Beautiful approach uh, to three feet here and would make the birdie at 12, and that got him back to two under par. But still a long way back. Third round leader Jim Furyk did have a rough start. Was three over through three. But Furyk steadied the ship. This short birdie at 13 got him back to seven under for the tournament. And it got his lead back up to four shots. Weir, though, did finish strong at number 18. He will roll in the birdie. Weir in his first U.S. Senior Open. And pretty solid. Tied for second at four under par. But it was Furyk's show at the 16th. He will uh, stick the iron shot to uh, within a couple of feet. And he would make that birdie. And Jim Furyk wins the U.S. Senior Open at 7-under, a three-shot win over Weir and Retief Goosen. Stephen Ames had a rough day, finished tied eighth at one over. Final round of the John Deere Classic, and it was veteran Lucas Glover, a former U.S. Open champion himself, who pulled away from a very crowded leaderboard. At one point late in the round, 14 players were within a shot of the lead. Glover will stick the approach here at 15, led to his seventh birdie of the day and a two-shot lead. And then at 17, Glover rolls in the 12-footer for birdie. The 41-year-old with his first PGA Tour win in 10 years, a two-shot win at the John Deere Classic. Abbotsford's Nick Taylor tied 28th at minus 11. Roger Sloan of Merritt 71st at plus one. And baseball today. Jays trying to salvage one of their three-game set at Tampa. Got off to a good start. Danny Jansen will rip a solo homer to left. Jays would jump out to a 3-0 lead and... That was plenty for starter Robbie Ray, who was nearly unhittable. He strikes out Randy Rosarina here in the fifth, still yet to give up a hit. In the sixth, another heater here freezes Brett Phillips. Ray took a no-hitter into the seventh where he did give up one hit, but 11 strikeouts for the win. Jays take it 3-1. to one. They hit the all-star break at 45-42, and 42, four and a half games back. 
in the wild card. And four Blue Jays are going to that all-star game. Deethu, back to you. All right. Thanks so much, Barry. And coming up, video of a commercial test flight taking a furious space tourism race to a new level. An out-of-this-world moment for billionaire Richard Branson today. The 70-year-old fulfilled a dream, launching himself and five others into space on his Astro Tourism ship. Under a blazing sun, a new age of space travel lifted off from the New Mexico desert today. Virgin Galactic's Unity attached to the belly of its mothership. Inside, Virgin founder Richard Branson, three other employee passengers, and two pilots climbing to 46,000 feet. Then, 45 minutes after liftoff... Three, two, one, release, release, release. A 2,300-mile-per-hour rocket ride, three Gs, to more than 53 miles high. Passengers in the back have been cleared to unstrap. Then, the moment that Branson has been dreaming of since he was a teen, the curvature of the Earth and the darkness of space. Looking down to our beautiful, beautiful Earth. After three to four minutes of weightlessness, the journey home. So a complete experience for lifetime. Safely touching down just over an hour after takeoff. A perfect landing. On the ground. Jubilation, triumph, and the famous Branson Champagne Shower. Finally, 17 years after starting Virgin Galactic. The wings that are the Virgin Galactic wings. Ladies and gentlemen, this here is Sir Richard Branson, astronaut. I'm never going to be able to do it justice. It's indescribably beautiful. In an exclusive Branson family interview with NBC News. Sir Richard could not contain his excitement, proud of his wings. I'm afraid nobody will ever be able to take them away from us. Once you're an astronaut, you're always an astronaut. Branson, the winner in the so-called Battle of the Space Billionaires with Blue Origin's Jeff Bezos. After suggesting on Friday that Branson and his passengers would not be true astronauts because they don't go as high as Bezos and his passengers will, Bezos today seemed to concede the win, writing, can't wait to join the club. Branson's hope that the quarter-million-dollar price tag for a ride will soon come down, making the trip possible for those on smaller budgets. And today announcing Virgin is launching a sweepstakes with a maze for two tickets to space. Tonight, a lifelong dream fulfilled and a pledge to open space to everyone. Wow. <laughs> what a moment. We're going to start an office pool just to get money so we can all go up there too. <laughs> Perhaps, but for now, let's focus in on Earth and some important news weather-wise. A heat warning that is in effect for the interior. Lytton, Lillooet will be included within that. Temperatures will be soaring, record-breaking heat potentially into the upper 30s, up to 40 degrees, and Williams Lake and 100 Mile also included within that. So try and stay safe and cool. Yeah, important message there. All right, thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Jordan will be here at 11.